0: You're listening to The Loke Show, presented by Smartling.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to The Loke Show. I couldn't be more excited for today's guest. Carrie Fisher is the manager of globalization services at the largest quick service restaurant in the world, Subway. Now, you may be asking yourself, what does a brick-and-mortar restaurant like Subway need a localization team for? Well, for starters, they have guests and employees in over 110 countries who are hungry. They're hungry to eat sandwiches. They're hungry to create sandwiches. But like all forward-thinking companies, Subway is creating digital experiences So people can do things like order sandwiches from their phone and manage their rewards in the loyalty program. This episode is so fresh. Let's dive in. Carrie, welcome to The Logue Show. Thanks so much for, for being here today.
0: Thank you for inviting me.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. You've got such an interesting history in the industry. Uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, where do you work now? How did you get into the industry of translation and localization?
0: Well, I currently work at Subway. Um, I'm a remote employee in Boise, Idaho. They're in Milford, Connecticut. Um, I'm the globalization services manager for the entire company. And I got started, like a lot of us did, by accident. So, working for a startup company in New Hampshire back in the early 90s, um, our company decided to go global and sell our product overseas. And once we did that, um, we learned that we had to, you know, translate our product and our marketing and our box and our, you know, everything around it. And you know, the question was asked, well, who's going to do this? And I raised my hand and said, well, I'll do it. And that's how I got into localization. And that's how I made a career out of it.
1: I feel like that's how a lot of us get into our jobs. We see an opportunity, <laughs> we jump right <laughs> by in. Accident. Right? Yeah, by accident. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing how that how that can work. Uh, my, my early career um, was slightly different. I, I I am from New York City, but my family is from Louisiana and they were significantly impacted by Hurricane Katrina. So I started my career rebuilding homes that were destroyed by Katrina. And it's materialized over the years into communications and branding. And I did a little bit of customer success and now I'm back in marketing. But it's funny how, right, isn't it funny how we find ourselves in our jobs
0: absolutely yeah we all we all you know find the right path
1: eventually we all find the right <laughs> i'm glad
0: path. you finally found localization
1: <laughs> well i'm happy to be in the industry cuz i i particularly find it um quite fascinating i think especially given your your tenure in the industry it must be so fascinating to see how the, the value of content has changed over the years what, what, what have been some of the transformative moments as you look back on your career in, in localization?
0: Gosh, it's really been, I think, really the most fascinating for me has been machine translation. And I, I only say that because back in the early 90s, um, the company I was working for, Transparent Language, bought some guy's machine translation engine um, that eventually, you know, we didn't know what to do with it, right? We didn't have the knowledge or the the technology or, you know, anything remotely resembling um, an idea of what we could do with it. So we sold it to SDL. (laughs) It's it's now there. Um, It used to be called freetranslation.com. I don't even know if it still exists, but to see MT in its infancy in the early nineties to what it has become today. Um, I find that absolutely fascinating and I just only see it getting better from here. I mean, it's, it's pretty decent now. So um, I don't know, just imagine what could it be in, in another five to 10 years.
1: Mm, mm. At, so at Subway you're managing the entire uh, globalization service. I'm curious to hear a little bit about how you've set up this service internally, and maybe you could also walk us through, like, why why does Subway even translate content, and how do you think about the the consumer experience? Because ultimately, like, we're translating content so people can access the product at the end of the day. Mm, yeah,
0: Subway is the largest QSR in the world, and that stands for Quick Service Restaurant. We have more restaurants than McDonald's and Burger King combined when it comes to overseas. And so well, obviously, you know, we're in over a hundred and we are in oh, in over 110 countries and not every one of them speaks English. So we have to be translated. We have to be localized. No, There's no question. Um, and I started out in technology actually when I was first hired three and a half years ago. And it quickly became known that I was there at Subway. There had never been anyone kind of like me doing what I did. And so other groups outside of technology would reach out and ask for help. So legal was one of the first ones. Um, the e-learning group, operations, although operations pretty much had it down. They they had been translating the ops manuals for quite some time. But um, anyway, I, I after a year, my role was centralized within Subway. And so, yeah, I now deal with all the departments within Subway as well as the regions. So, if there's, you know, something that Turkey wants to get translated, they'll come to me and and ask for help.
1: Mm. And I've read a little bit about Subway's uh, recent news. You've over the past couple of years, you've been partnered with Accenture to lead a digital transformation at the company. What That's right. has, what's that been like?
0: Accenture helped us build our app for North America, and that was our kind of first foray into digital beyond e-learning, which I find, which I think is digital and the website. So, yeah, there were there were definitely challenges, but we we got it out. <laughs> French Canadian. Um, I think it's it's challenging. That's one of the biggest challenges I find, no matter what company you're in, to work with third-party developers. Mm-hmm. You know, you, Sometimes you don't get direct access to those folks. And then they create something based on a requirement that I haven't looked at. And sometimes it comes back, you know, the product comes back and we realize that, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of basic stuff, right? Hard-coded strings and stuff that... Um, you would think would be thought about, but you know what, if if they haven't done it before or if it's a new team, um, there's always something that needs to be fixed. So, um, I think we learned, you know, including others outside of development in just the whole planning process is really important in order to get a product that can be used outside of North America.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's like localization for so long has been Sort of the like the last mile, but it's a critical mile, and yeah. uh, we, we hear I hear a bunch of people talking about how they'd love to see it be part of the conversation earlier in the yes. development. Uh, it sounds like there was opportunity for for growth there, but you know, putting that aside, digital transformation is the thing right now. It's important for every company to be adopting digital solutions to help sell its product. Um, yeah, you, know, and some people you can't might. go in
0: person sometimes. Yeah, you can't, can't go true. in person.
1: Right, and a lot of people probably are, are thinking like, well, why does Subway need a digital transformation? You walk down the street, you walk in the shop, you buy your sandwich and you walk out. Where's the tech? But every QSR has a mobile delivery um, but, component, right? And that's a competitive yes. advantage.
0: It is that, and an app that you can order ahead of time and just go in, pick it up, and get out. You've already paid for it. That's what I do, and that's what I even did before the pandemic started. Yeah. Um, I don't want to sit there. I know what I want on my sandwich. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's crucial, and and the third party delivery that was another you know um, challenge that we. <sighs> not we're slow on, but, you know, slow to uptake. So now it's all about third-party delivery and it's not just in the, the North America, it's, it's everywhere. Um, you know, we, we need to partner with third-party delivery companies all over the world just so hmm. we can make sure that people get their subway sandwiches quickly.
1: Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And you know, what I, what I find so fascinating about this digital transformation is that you've got, you know, you, you now, you mentioned you had a new mobile app. It's in French. And there, there's so much content that gets jammed into these apps. Yeah. And I, I personally, I love it because I'm, I'm the same as you. Before the pandemic, I would always order my lunch from my phone, yeah. from whatever QSR I was going to. I would have yeah. their app and I would make all the adjustments that I want. I'd walk in, the lunch would be ready. I'd walk out. It took me five, 10 minutes, New York minute kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But but what I find fascinating is that the apps like first of all, every week or two the app was changing. Um like I, I go to Sweet Green a bunch because I love their salads. And I found that their their content in the app would change all the time. And it was it was it the micro content, the little experiences that you get using the app made the brand experience better. What what's it like in, in the Subway app. Can you walk us through the experience?
0: Sure. We, it's, you know, we get updates to the app um, at least once a month. And depending on what's changing, it could be once or twice a day, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> which, is, which is why we have people on hand um, in-country who can, you know, turn these things around fairly quickly. I think, you know, Tweaking will always continue. Um, I don't know if we're going to have any, you know, major updates. Though. I would hate to spoil everything. But, um, yeah, it's it's. we've learned that it's got to be a quick turnaround time. And that's why we have people on staff uh, to help with these types of things. So, yeah, the experience in the app is, um, all I can say is, what it's like in Quebec because that's the one that we translated first. And uh, it's the same experience, you know, pick your, pick your bread, pick your veggies, pick your sides, you pay for it, and you can save it to your favorites. And then you're, and then of course get rewarded, right. With our points. And then go pick it up and in, in the restaurant and take it home.
1: Hmm. I mean, I'm, I have it open right now. It's a slick app. Um, what, what were some of the, the content challenges here. Cause like, we're talking about words to sell sandwiches and make the experience <laughs> yes. a little bit better. Right. But like, this is not, I, I, I have, I imagine this is not a cakewalk. Um, what's it, it was it like? Yeah. Like what did you learn from this and what are you learning?
0: Um, so we learned and I, I mean, it was, again, this was, this was the challenging and a little bit frustrating part on, uh, on my part because, I knew what needed to happen. It was just getting the right things to happen, but um, making sure we had enough space, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, and something that we still have a challenge with is, you know, the trademark symbol in French is superscripted. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't have the ability to superscript on the app. So instead of, you know, MD being superscripted, it's in these big, you know, M, D, capital letters, you know, and it it doesn't quite look right. Um, mm-hmm. So we still have some challenges, but uh, we're very, we're, you know, these days we've got it down, right? The guys, there's, there's two guys, two men that send us strings to be translated. They tell us, okay, we've got a limited number of characters. If it, you know, full word doesn't fit, then you're going to have to abbreviate, you know, as long as it's understood, that's fine. So, we have it down to a science at this point, you know, all the updates, we know exactly what needs to be done by when and how long it can be. But mm. it, that was the challenge at first. Nothing fit on the screen. Yeah, French is a little bit longer than English. So,
1: And mobile is tricky. You're, you're, you're really <laughs> working with a, a limited space. You, what about different devices? Like, do you, do you account for different like an iPhone, like a, regular size iPhone and a larger iPhone or, or is it all sort of bundled into the same build?
0: It's bundled into the same build. Yep. And they, they test it on Android and iPhone before it comes to us to see exactly how it's going to look and how many characters we've got to work with. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why we made it very visual. I don't know if you if you saw the app, then you've got a picture of a sandwich, right? And you scroll through, you pick, you know, the bread, and then you've got like this expanded build of a sandwich, and you just swipe left or right depending on what you want. You know, here's the standard build. You don't like lettuce? Swipe left. It's kind of like Tinder.
1: <laughs> if you don't like it, swipe left. I, I'm I, I'm I'm on a build right now, and I'm seeing is this fascinating. Like what a smart UX here. You just swipe on the onion left and right. Yes.
0: Yes, exactly. We figured, I guess that that was pretty common. (laughs) Swiping left for something you don't want.
1: Yeah. And actually it's funny because you have, okay, you have a swipe for grain. I'm trying to see if I add it because there's an option to toast it, right? So I'm trying to find. Yes, there
0: is. And it's the flame. It's, it's the, the flame. flame. It's a, yeah. We used images, you know, instead of words. So okay, that's um, it. there's a little, there should be a little flame that says toasted. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay. Cause,
1: okay. So I was swiping on the bread. It was changing the bread option. And if you click on it, then you have the toasted. This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is really cool. I love it. I've never, I've never experienced something like this on a QSR. I, it's usually tapping and going into menus. This is really this is really cool.
0: Ours is customizable. You know, you can't really customize a burger or maybe you can, you, maybe you say no onions, right? But um, right. that's, that was our big thing, right? Make it what you want.
1: Well, and that's a big part of the Subway brand promise really. Cause you go in, Yes. by the way, I have fond memories. There's one Subway location in Manhattan on like Midtown West. I kid you not, your sandwich is made in 30 seconds. It it, I've, it 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 is the fastest subway restaurant I've ever been to in my life. Um, remarkable experience, and especially if you go in during lunch hour in New York, it's it's something else.
0: That's due to the franchise owner and training the sandwich artists. That's um, hmm. it's all about training, and that's we've really invested heavily in e-learning modules, especially for the sandwich artist who had really old stuff, you know, to learn from or worst case was just told, to wing it, you know, watch this person and then you'll you'll get the hang of it, which doesn't work. And um, even how to act, you know, how to, how to greet the guest, um, asking questions. We didn't have that. It wasn't spelled out. Everybody thinks it's, you know natural behavior but to some people it's not they need to be taught and so we invested heavily on sandwich artist training and translated it into 23 languages
1: wow so the content i mean that's fascinating the content what, what does that look like is it all text-based do you have video content now wow. how what's the training manual like
0: it was it was all like these videos of people talking and it was it was not a good experience. So our team created visuals and cartoons, you know, Mm. and also made them, which I'm very proud of, multicultural, right? A lot of our, a lot of our stuff was, you know, red hair, blue eyed women, you know, and that's just, that doesn't resonate in the Middle East or, Mm. you know, Asia. So now we have multicultural characters, doing various roles and here's how you handle an angry customer. All you have to do is look at their facial expression to know that they're angry. We don't have to put text saying this person is angry. Um, we we provided different scenarios um, that these cartoon characters went through and how to handle each one. And it's, it was really about making the guest happy. That was hmm. the focus.
1: Hmm. And so all of this is delivered digitally, you're translating, I think you said 23 languages?
0: Yeah, certain modules we translate into 23 languages, yeah.
1: Mm. And how do you make the decision about which modules go to 23 languages as opposed to, I guess, less than 23?
0: We have training centers in various parts of the world. Um, So at a bare minimum, there's, we have to do, we, we always do those training languages. And it was felt that the sandwich artist training was so critical that we, you know, and even though the franchise owner and the business development agents have to speak English, that's not a requirement for a sandwich artist. Just because they work in a U.S.-based company in a different country, doesn't mean they speak English. And so mm-hmm. we really thought about all the the different metrics that go into making that decision. Is English accepted? Is it even taught, you know in that country? Um, all different kinds of decision making points went into it, and that's how we decided on on the the twenty three even though we don't have a lot of restaurants in certain countries, they don't speak English. The sandwich artists don't speak English. So Hmm. we did it in in all kinds of languages.
1: Fascinating. And I'm curious, is like part of your process for evaluating the efficacy of the work that you and your team do, are you looking at analytics on like how many employees are leveraging that e-learning data or is absolutely a, you do. So what does that yeah. look like for you? Is it like a weekly review? Is it monthly? Cause I'm asking a lot of people ask us about like, well, what are the right metrics to look at? And mm-hmm. it varies by business. And I think this is it an does. interesting use case. Yeah,
0: yeah, that that is, that is interesting. Um, so With COVID-19, you can imagine what happened. You know, restaurants shut down. We had to lay off people. Um, Now that we're opening back up again, especially in Asia and Europe, um, in some parts of the United States, we are using the sandwich artist training as a, a huge metric for being successful. It's, you know, we've... I can't talk about numbers, but it's we've seen the difference it makes um, in retention of sandwich artists. Hmm. If they're going to be treated well and they're going to be trained, they're going to stay longer uh, because our turnover was pretty high.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, so the sandwich artist training made that number go down, which is good. Um And also we made it so they could do it on their phone, you know, uh, before they had to, you know, go home, log in. They weren't being paid for it to be trained. Um, So we just had a different mindset going in. And so, yes, we do measure how many people, how many restaurants have completed it, how many sandwich artists within each restaurant have completed it. And after, and, and this is, beginning to be a big push now. You know, we we want a certain percentage completed um, by the time we're 100% open.
1: Mm. So who are you working with within the organization to set these goals? And, you know, I don't need to hear the numbers, but like, what teams are you working with and coordinating with to set up goals and make sure that you're working towards achieving those positively?
0: Honestly, I don't set the numbers, Um, so I report to the VP of International Operations. It's in within his purview, you know, and he works with all of the different regions and countries to figure out those numbers Mm. and what makes the most sense by region.
1: So your conversation with with this manager is: uh, what are the languages that have to be supported? Um, and when do they have to be localized by? And then you report on whether or not there are gaps in the translation, or how does that how does that materialize?
0: Um, well, he lets me know that hey, we're going to try and you know get to you know one hundred percent or you know whatever it is by this date. Can you make sure that this course is completed by you know thirty days ahead of that? No problem. You know, that's the (laughs) conversation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Fascinating. Okay, so I want to go back to the app for a minute because there is a part of the app that we didn't talk about, which um, I think is going to be interesting for us to explore for a moment. You can build a sandwich. You can select the store that you want to pick it up from, but then you have to make a payment. How... Do How does localization work with payment methods by region?
0: Well, they're integrated, right? So whatever the most popular payment methods are, they're integrated um, into the app. So people can pay however they want. Mm. And, you know, because some cases, credit cards aren't, gonna, <laughs> people don't have those, right? But um, they might have... Boleto or whatever, you know, is um, popular in country. So mm-hmm. we would definitely integrate the popular payment methods within our app, depending on the country and the region.
1: And then any of the content that is, so, that is delivered by that payment methodology, you can easily translate and localize? Yes. Mm. Yeah. I, I see now on your app, you have Apple Pay, which I think is a great way of, easily converting. Um, I personally love seeing that on a on our e-commerce site or app. It makes my life a lot easier because I don't have to fill in all the details. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have a relatively new rewards program uh, called My Way, Subway My yeah. Way. Um, yep. How does your team interface with the consumer loyalty program? And how how do you think about translation as being a a, a value add to your consumers?
0: We're best friends. <laughs> Me <laughs> and the director of the rewards program, Helen. <laughs> um, yeah. So we worked very closely together when we were launching the app because we wanted to make sure that um, my subway rewards would resonate. Um, and I'll, I'll use Quebec again in French Canadian. So we really went, you know, round and round. What are we going to call this? And we came up with uh, Mon Saboie Récompense, and it's trademarked, just like the English is. And um, it, it, we, you know, as long as it makes sense in that particular country, then um, you know, we just work with the regions to come up with the name, and then we work with legal, of course, to get it trademarked.
1: Mm-hmm. So that sounds like a transcreation opportunity there. Totally. Yep. So transcreation is something that we find to be an ever-increasing need of customers. Mm. Uh, yeah. I guess content content's really just becoming more interesting. Um, and uh, because there is the proliferation of content in every single uh, really touchpoint in the consumer journey, there's going to be more content like the Subway My Way rewards program. How how, did, how do you go about translating Subway My Way? Did you have briefings? Did you work with specialized translators? It sounds like you also worked with some of your colleagues in Quebec, but what what was that like?
0: You have to work with the people in country, especially, you know, I, I think our, my my biggest partners are my reviewers. So they could be Franchise owners, although they're usually more business development agents, you know, those are the people that are trying to figure out where to put the next Subway restaurant in their country. Mm-hmm. These are the people that review, you know, a lot of the stuff that we translate just to make sure that we got it right. And we get a ton of participation in past jobs it's been a challenge you know because everyone's like i have i have my own job you know i'm a salesperson i i don't have time for this that is not the case at subway subway employees will go out of their way to make sure that the translation is right and acceptable in that country so when we have you know uh, my subway you know rewards program or something like that come up we just immediately reach out to the regions and try and come up with something catchy you know and or something that makes sense in their their language
1: that's amazing it's fun
0: that's the fun part of the process to be honest
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think you might be the first person i've spoken to who've said who says that's the fun part the the (laughs) so we need to hear more about this like you said it wasn't like this at other companies you've worked with and Subway, it seems like you've just like maybe a different culture, but. It is. You must also be doing something that, that is creating, um, or you're, you're part of the culture, right? So what do you feel like is different at Subway? How have you cultivated these relationships and made it possible for you to pick up the phone and, and engage people in such an important project? I mean, like. Creating the name. is was
0: a secret sauce, right? Yeah, it's um, Subway is a family-owned business, and I think that might have something to do with it. We're privately held. Um, people, I feel that Subway is actually a true team in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, and even though I haven't met you know half of these people yet, um, I don't. I don't need to. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's part of the culture that we work together with each other. The regions and I, you know, we, we do our budgeting together, you know, at the beginning of the, or the end of each year and hey, how much, you know, here's how much you spent last year. Um, do you got stuff coming up? It's just a partnership and um, I don't know, it just, uh, it's, it's, it's always easy um, to work with the regions, then I don't know the different departments. Um, I'm just I don't know because maybe I'm centralized. I have a very high visibility, and I try and make localization as enjoyable as possible um, because some of these people are they get overwhelmed. You know, this is I've been doing this forever, and. Some people have never done it before. In fact, my next meeting is with uh, someone from the e-learning group that is now responsible for translating some virtual learning, and he's he's not in panic mode, but he's like, I don't know what to do. And I said, That's okay. That's why you have me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think most localization people, because we're centralized, because we usually speak a few different languages, um, we're approachable, and we break down silos that exist in companies and that's a rare thing and it's unique to our industry. And, um, I think that's why, I don't know, we're seen as collaborators and people who get stuff done.
1: Hmm. Well, your, your colleague on your next call is in for a treat because you, you definitely <laughs> will, well, I think you'll win him over and he'll be, he'll be excited to, to partner with you on, uh, the virtual e-learning which you've just It'll be
0: interesting. This is new ground for us. It'll be good.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, like many businesses, uh, virtual, you know, adapting to virtual is essential right now. Um, yeah. So, when you're, th- when you're thinking about the value of translation for Subway or at previous places you've worked with, wh- what comes to mind? <laughs> The value of people.
0: And I go back again to the reviewers without people, without internal subway people deciding how our voice needs to sound, how to translate our very specific subwayisms in their language, we'd be relying on a vendor. And that's not to say that vendors don't do a good job, but some of our content is not easy and it's very unique. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so again, I think this is where transcreation and our people and country come into play. Without them, we'd be translating blindly.
1: Mm. So what sort of things are keeping you up at night? I mean, this is not a small task that you have, supporting the largest QSR in its effort to uh, provide exceptional service to your guests through the lens of translation and localization, it's it's got to bring some heat too. What are some of the things that are keeping you up?
0: For a while, it was pure workload. Mm. Um, but, so Subway has a centralized translation management system. And I put that in place immediately. Even when I was in just the technology team, because I could see what was coming. you know. As more and more teams reached out to me, um, I figured my role would be centralized, and I did ask for it, for it to be centralized. I wanted it. Um, having a centralized TMS for us, and I think for any company, is, is really smart. And if you're able to teach even non-localization people how to use it, even just setting up basic projects, assigning it to vendors or internal people, you know, whatever, um, that makes them autonomous. They're not relying on me. So that took a huge weight off of my shoulders because I was working, you know, I get up at 530 every morning so I can be there for Europe and the East Coast and then I eat dinner and then I get back online at night Mm. so I can be sure APAC is taken care of. Um, right before I went on vacation last week, I taught APAC how to, how to use TMS, how to use our TMS. And now they're able to, you know, create their own projects. And the, the same for Europe, um, teaching them how to do it. And that's taken a huge burden. Off my shoulders, and uh, you know, I so I was able, you know, to set the strategy, get the vendors in place, and you know, everything's all all set up, and it, it works like a well oiled machine now. And when you're just a person of a team of one, you have to do things like that. You have to set up technology and processes to work to your advantage, um, because you can't do everything.
1: <laughs> no, and and you mentioned that there are so many different types of content that you're supporting, it's yeah, not just yeah. a website, it's not just a mobile app. Even if it was, that's a lot. <laughs> but if <laughs> you're talking about e-learning content, you're talking about virtual learning content, you're talking about legal content, transcript, like there's a big scope here. Um, yes. So it makes sense And to, to have a, a, a process of uh, centralizing all of this, using technology to provide support in that effort even to lead or drive that effort makes total sense. Um, so what, I mean, you've, you've, you've seen a lot, you've, you've done a lot of, of amazing things in your career. Um, I guess I want to hear a little bit about how you've thought about giving back to the industry. Cause I think we got to know one another because I, I saw that you were speaking or you were, you were promoting an event that was hosted by women in localization what's your involvement with the group? Tell us about the group Um, and what's your involvement with it and how, how do you look at giving back to the community?
0: Yeah, I, that's what I really love about women in localization. It gives me the ability to give back. Um, I started with the group when it first started. So I used to live in Silicon Valley um, with Anna, Ava and um, everyone else. And we, we, would get together informally at first. And then Sylvia, Eva and Anna got, you know, made it formal and created this nonprofit. And I've been with it. I don't even remember. I mean, when I first started, I I had a very young son and I'm a single mom and, you know, I would end up taking him (laughs) to the women in localization events. Um, And he was always welcome, which is another thing I really liked about that group. Everyone was a mom or, you know, close to being a mom. Um, And I just felt very welcomed and accepted. And to see it grow from when I left for Idaho eight and a half years ago, it was just Silicon Valley. And to see it grow to all the chapters and all the groups, it's, it's, absolutely amazing. And I'm so happy for them that it became what it was supposed to be. And so when I was asked last year to join the group again, I'm like, well, I don't have a chapter, you know, in Boise, it's just me and, you know, like two other people here. Um, well, now it's virtual. It, you know, women in localization, especially with the global community that is being launched tomorrow, with our inaugural event, um, I really wanted to be a part of that. So I started out as the GEO, America's GEO manager, which I still am. So I support all of the America's chapters. Um, And then I took on the additional role of program director for the global community because that really spoke to me. I don't have a chapter and yet I really want to be a part of women in localization and be a mentor talk about jobs and, you know, how to get out of debt, whatever the topic is, I, I want to be able to help. I've been in this industry for a, a very long time and, you know, however I can give back, I want to do. So mm-hmm. women in localization, I think will always be there for me as a volunteer. I hope.
1: <laughs> Fascinating. Um, we have, uh, you know, a wide variety of people who listen to the call uh, to the podcast and I've actually heard from a few people who are new to the industry and they found this to be a valuable resource what sort of guidance would you offer to people who are emerging in the field
0: Hmm. that's a tough one Um. Being in localization, you're quite visible, I think, to the organization. So as long as you bring transparency to what you're doing, you really can't go wrong. You partner with the right people at the right time. I think every company I've gone to... um, they're at a different level of readiness to accept localization and everything that comes with it. Some are some are more closed than others. They see it as a necessary evil. It's your job as a localization professional to make it easy and transparent. I ended up partnering with my CFO at Hyperion solutions um, because I you know I had a multi-million dollar budget to manage and he wanted to understand where that money was going. So he and I came up with a plan to create a return on investment percentage by language. I think that's important. Um, you have to be very visible, transparent about what you're spending by language and making sure that you're making that money <laughs> in that country or in that region. Um, I say that, and it's kind of funny because I, I haven't done that at Subway yet, but that that will be coming. Uh, Subway is a bit of a different animal in that we are already in these countries; we have to support them. So, um, mm. yes, ROI does matter, but at the same turn, it's we have to do it. <laughs> so, um, if I, you know, another piece of advice I think would be to not be afraid of technology, because I was when I first started. First of all, there wasn't a lot of technology when I first started, but when, you know, translation memory started to, to become a thing, um, I just let the vendors handle everything. I didn't want to know about it. I didn't want to learn about it. And I think that was to my detriment. So, if I had some advice for my old self, it would be not to shy away from technology and think it's just for engineers or people with a technical background. It's not, especially these days. Um, you guys have made it so easy <laughs> for for non-tech people like me to, you know, use technology in a way that benefits the company and makes us look like heroes.
1: Mm. All of this is such sage advice and I really enjoyed everything that we've discussed today, Carrie. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing some of your ideas and your passion with us. I think that once you've done that ROI calculation, it'd be so interesting to do another podcast with you to, to hear about your thought process because that is kind of like the, the, one of the biggest questions in, in the industry's heads is like, how do you actually figure out what the value is? Because we can't attribute all the revenue uh, from Canada to localization, but there is, there is value. And as you mentioned, for your, for your business now, it's 100% essential um, to support yeah. the markets that you're in. so. Anyway, Carrie, this has been fabulous. Thanks so much for being on The Lope Show.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you.
1: Wasn't this an incredible episode? I feel like a wet sponge. There's so much to learn from Carrie's experience and success in the field of localization. I'm particularly excited by her enthusiasm for working with colleagues across departments, To realize the best guest experience worldwide. If you haven't already done so, you should find Carrie on LinkedIn and give her two thumbs up for sharing her story. And hey, while you're at it, if you loved this episode of The Loke Show, would you kindly leave us a five-star review? It goes a long way to continue attracting guests like Carrie to the show. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.